Hello and welcome to episode 174 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast, where you'll always find enthusiastic, data-driven fantasy baseball analysis and strategy. I am your host, Toby. Today is edition number 78 of Bubba and the Batflip. Bubba and I will be taking a look at the first uh, week, or technically the second week, but the first week of in-season fab, taking a look at some of the guys uh, that went for the highest uh, and, and most often, uh, and kind of providing our thoughts on that. And then general fab strategy, we also get into a little bit of news and notes and answer some listener questions. So hope you guys enjoy this. Um, as always, uh, you can find me on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. You can reach Bubba on Twitter at BDNTrek. Let's get this party started. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Bat Flip, episode 78. We have real baseball. It's uh, been going on for about four days now, which is outstanding. We're actually watching the fifth night as we record or kind of talking about it before we record. Um, you can find me on Twitter at BDentric and my co-host is always the Bat Flip portion of the podcast on Twitter at Bat Flip Crazy. Toby, how are we doing, my friend? Oh, Bubba, we're doing well. We got uh, first, well, I guess second week of fab you know, running through, but the first yeah. with the regular season, baseball is back. It's been beautiful. I was joking around with you. Like I haven't been off my phone since, <laughs> you know, since, the, since, since Thursday, you know, morning, mm-hmm. just glued to it. But um, it's been fantastic just to have baseball back and have the games happening. the long season, the long season. I'm, I'm really excited about that. Just, you know, the grind for those of us who love the grind, um, well, we say we love the grind, but then like on Sunday, you're just like beat because the fab took your, it all, took it all your, out of you. Just squeeze yeah. every living ounce of life out of you. Then we see your Twitter feed when you're yelling at the air because there's fab on Saturday night. So <laughs> <laughs> I was up till 3.30 in the morning. Uh, I, I got a little bit of a late start on on Saturday and then it was Easter. I tweeted that out. I was like... Yeah. You know, I was up till 3.30, and then the kids were up at 6.30, like, can we go? Can we go get our Easter baskets? Can we go get our Easter baskets? And I'm just like, oh, man, long day today. Kids, how much should I bid on Julian Merriweather? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) $47 is how much you you should now. Oh, man. Um, Yeah, we'll get into that in a little bit. Oh, boy. But, uh, yeah, it's cool. It's crazy. Uh, We got action. It's fun watching the overreactions and all that good stuff. And, you know, it was literally four days of baseball. Most teams played three games. Some guys didn't even play in all three games. And people are trying to say, should I cut players? So it's uh, – I get it. I get the frustration. But you mentioned it's a long season. It's not the 60-game season. I take a breath, see what happens. Like, hey, Monday night, Alec Mills got a save for the freaking Cubs. So <laughs> let's just – like I the, saw that the solution to your closer problems is Alec Mills, actually. But the good old Greg Jewett calmed me down. He's like, Well, Kimbrell through Saturday and Sunday. So he wasn't gonna go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the but, same thing with Alvarado. But Mills Alvarado was beautiful. It was beautiful. Yeah, but see, Alvarado, we at least expected to kind of be the backup dude. I would never would have guessed Alec Mills in a hundred yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I never that's I true. was like, what in the world is this? <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Was, We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But apparently, Cubby Knoll has Alec Mills because he's pretty happy about it in the chat. So that that's good. Good to see Cubby. Um, I guess real quick before we get into the Fab, uh, we're going to go over kind of the big names that were picked up, the high valued or high purchased, expensive names. I don't know how to say it properly in this uh, new way. I'm sure we're trying to make things sound correct um, out there. Do you have any takeaways from the week that stood out to you uh, in the opening weekend? Um. 
Not really. Uh, I think the keys for me always early in the season, it's similar to spring training in a way. Like what I'm looking for guys is I think we have more generally have more accurate, you know, data when it comes to stat cast. I don't, I still don't believe all of the um, stat cast metrics. Like I think it's the Milwaukee uh, twins uh, twin series. The stat cast gun there was seem pretty hot. Uh, I mean, you had Hader who was over three miles per hour up. You had like three or four guys in the top five or six of velocity gainers. So I have some questions there, but I'm looking for velocity from, from starting pitchers. I'm looking for skills over results, you know? So in, in a, in a small sample, we know anything can happen. We saw it last year over the course of 12 games and that's even more so at the beginning of the season. So really like, if your guy struck out, you know, eight, eight guys and, and you're super jazzed about it, that's great because you bank those stats, but look under the hood and check out what's happening from a skills perspective, whether that would look like it was something that might be sustainable if those skills continue, you know, what was the team matchup, you know, the team context that they were going up against. And then those guys who are getting run or who are, who are filling in for injuries, like, and things are just happening so quickly, like Luis Arias. You know, all of a sudden he's like the gem of fab because he's batting at the top of that lineup, you know, clear average boon for people who have him in his lineup. And then today, you know, he's already out of the lineup and now it's William Ostudio, right? Who's, Which is who's, so uh, awesome. Who's right. in that position. Yeah, exactly. So things are just happening quickly. So I think just looking, looking for those, those role, those things that are the skills of players haven't changed. Right. So what's changing is the opportunity you know, at least with hitters and then with, with pitchers, you know, the skills can change because the pitch mix or velocity gains. So those are the things that I'm kind of, kind of focused on. Yeah, no, it's, it's interesting because, you know, guys are already getting rest days early on. So it's kind of like, well, is he hurt? Is he just sore? Like, what are we doing? Like Raphael Devers sitting in game three. It's like, I know you haven't really hit the ball the first two games, but is, is a day off what you needed? Who knows? But um, there's that. There's the Rockies just continuing to screw things up left and right. That is unbelievable how they roster that situation. I should have known better, but it's just all spring. They look like they were going to do the right thing. And then the opening day, just not nah, throw it out the window. That never happened. Don't worry about it. It's like you stink. But um, that's interesting. And I want to see some of these velocities, like the next start or two, because there's a lot of really cold games. So, like, was it the cold weather? Because – I know the ball, I would throw the ball soft. Like Heck, a golf analogy. When you play in cold weather, the ball doesn't go as far. You can't hit it as hard. It's just common sense stuff. So I'm, I'm curious to see how some of those guys look and uh, see when they start letting some of these guys get extended. Are they going to babies these pitchers all year? Certain ones, not all of them, but those kind of things. So it'll be interesting. There's some new names, some flashy names, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. And um, the saving situation, we knew it was going to be crazy. It might be even crazier than I expected right out the gate, real quick. Yeah. So that'll be fun. But let's get into some of these fab names. Uh, if you're on the NFPC, we see this one. Obviously, it, it kind of incorporates. You can use all sites, but they have a player movement page that shows every player picked up across all NFPC platforms. So it gives you an idea and it gives you the max bid and the min bid. And it just shows you how insane fab can be. Um, you could also do it just by leagues. Like if you just want to do TGFBI or whatever, you could do all that kind of stuff. But I just have the whole league. Um, do you want me to do TGFBI or just want to do the whole thing? Uh, we can just do the whole thing, I think. Okay. Just, you know, just taking a look at it broadly. I'm sure that there will be a yeah, decent amount of overlap in who the guys are. So, Okay, well, the top guy picked up in 462 leagues, Julian Merriweather, who was absolutely outstanding. Two saves over the weekend, looked filthy. 
Um, he went for his highest $780. And let's remind, remind people, you have a $1,000 budget for the entire season. And he went for his lowest $4. Um, Toby, I think my bids were like, I was thinking, keep them on as cool. I'll be like $71, $72. Didn't have a chance. Not not a chance at all. Um, I like the stuff. I still think Romano is going to be a factor from time to time because it seems like when he's come into games, they've been in high leverage situations. So maybe that'll flip flop. Maybe I, I still think it's more of a committee than people think. What are your thoughts on this, Merriweather? And were these prices worth it to you? Yeah, I, I think that um, I I agree. Like I, I I you know with Merriweather, I think my bids were in the forty range for him. Um, you know, obviously he's he's a very good pitcher when healthy. I mean, at least from a stuff perspective, right? He throws hard. Um, he's got some good secondaries. You know, was a, was a starting pitcher prospect, you know, and has gone to the bullpen. The questions for me and the reason why I don't want to do that massive outlay of fab at that uh, at that point in time is, you know, the role is, is still unclear. You know, from everything that I've seen, there's no anointment of a new closer. Um, Romano went up against the highest leverage part of that team. Uh, you have a lot of questions around health with Merriweather. I mean, he's never really been able to hold up for a full season, at least in the majors. Uh, I think he was a rookie last year and he's an older, older rookie. So, uh, you know, those, those are some major question marks for me. And so I don't, I just don't see him as, as the guy who's going to get, if I want to bid a lot, then I want to know that this guy has the role for sure and, and has the skills. And so already, you know, we're hearing like, it's still a committee, we're hearing he might not pitch two days in a row. So again, you know, I, and I, and I think the thing is, I don't think there's necessarily like a, you know, from a process perspective, what I'm really trying to focus on is, you know, if I'm going to do a major bid, then I want to feel certain, right? Because what you don't want to have happen is once you bid that 400 bucks and you get Meriwether, you have $600 for the remaining 25 weeks of the season. Um, and I can't remember what it breaks down to, but it's like you're down to like $26 or something like that a week. And then when you look at the secondary bids, right, you're getting guys like I got a lot of Evan Longoria for like 22 bucks, right? Well, you're actually down to like one of those bids per week now for the rest of the year. Um, and it just I really think it hamstrings you. And it's a long game. It's a long game. There's going to be plenty of movement or in the closer market throughout the season. And so hopefully at this point in time, I think you're hoping you have one solid option and a couple maybe speculative guys. Um, and you got to feel okay because everybody is in the same spot. Everybody's the guy they thought was going to be the closer is not, you know? And so I really think that, um, you know, from a process perspective, that's what I really want to be honing in on when I make that big bid. And I didn't feel like Meriwether checked enough of those boxes for me to make that bid. Now that doesn't mean it's a bad bid because if he's a closer for the rest of the year, then it's great. Right. Yeah. But process wise, if you do that over the long haul, more often than not, those bids are not going to work out for you. So that was kind of my perspective on Merriweather and just broader on those kind of big fab bids that we have. Um, I, I think they're a little, I think they're a little dicey, but again, you know, each player has their own approach to fab. Yeah, everyone's different. That's why when you look from league to league, it's wild. When people are on Sunday, you're tweeting now like, hey, this guy went for this much. It's like, you have like 250 more in mind. Like, what in the world just happened? Like, I would have won it with my bid. Uh, that, that happens all the time on certain players. You're just like, what in the world? Like, I got Jazz Chisholm in the league over the weekend. We won't talk about him tonight, but I went for like, I think it was $74 or something. And everyone's like, I would, like, he was going for like 250, 300 in our league. So 
I like I just, I'm like you. I just like kind of put keep them honest bids out, maybe a little higher, but nothing crazy. It reminds me of Fabapalooza. I didn't want anybody in Fabapalooza. Um, I I, I want to know they're gonna be there, and with a lot of these closers that went, I'm not a hundred percent certain. I think there's a lot of committees still involved, so I'm willing to like spend a little bit out there, but I'm not willing to break the bank on it because. One of the problems that we talked about in the preseason when we did a draft strategy and whatnot, you need to have money at the end to at least make some bids. These You can't make $0 bids in these leagues. So if you're drawing dead really early, it's going to make life very difficult. Like There's some guys that you see kind of make it work for the last month and they, they grind and they get fortunate. But most guys that end up winning leagues, they're making a couple moves a week towards the end that helps kind of surpass people that are out of money. So that's the kind of little things – you'll need in these big bids kind of wipe you out. And I'm assuming you saw it too, Toby, but it was pretty wild seeing in some leagues, some guys spent like between a couple different players, anywhere from 800 plus dollars. And I'm just like, I wouldn't be able to sleep at night. <laughs> Knowing I, I had that much money left for the next like 25 weeks of the season. That wouldn't go too well with me. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, people have those different approaches to fab and I don't like to spend a lot of it. It could yeah. work out for them, but I agree that I think you can get a lot more value in playing matchups and stuff throughout the in, year and in the matchups throughout the year. And the thing is, again, nobody's skill has changed, right? No. Like in these three, in these three, four games that we've had. And that's not to say that they won't perform over the course of a year, but they're the same folks they were during draft season. So if a guy went undrafted, you got to ask yourself, why did they go undrafted? Right? Like Mercedes, for instance, like, we didn't, we didn't know that he was going to be – I mean, he's playing again today, so maybe he's going to play every single day as the DH. You know, um, some maybe that's a result of some injuries as well, but he didn't all of a sudden become a, a, a very different player than he was before. It could be that we were wrong on the skill level. Who knows? But don't be changing your valuations of players dramatically as a result of these three or four games. And I think, you know, I, I think that there's – it's really hard not to get excited about guys who start off quick, but all it takes are three or four games that are bad and, and they're right back to where we thought they might be. Yeah. And, and the last thing we'll, we'll move on because we have some other guys will kind of say similar thoughts on, I think um, like Merriweather, if he is the guy that's outstanding, like you said, then it is worth every penny. It's like a couple of years ago when people spent money on Liam Hendricks and it panned out, but then for like every Liam Hendricks that goes off for the A's, we probably see 20 guys that just kind of get a couple saves and fizzle out, a couple saves and fizzle out. So it's tough. It's tough. And that's kind of why we had the discussion early in the season. Do you pay for saves? Do you accumulate a lot of late round targets and hope you hit on saves? Like there's so many strategies involved that you need to know if you do this, this, or this, you're probably going to have to be on the wire and spend an extra money and you kind of get your hand forced. So there's no right or wrong reason. You can win a league in many different ways, but it's uh, I saw some of those bids right out the gate. And I was like, I thought I was like I, I was nervous putting like seventy one dollars down, and these guys are just like going like, "Whoo, yeah. nasty!" All right, let's go to the second uh, highest uh, acquired player over the week: Cesar Valdez of the Baltimore Orioles, four hundred eleven leagues, high of three ten, low of one dollar. There you go. Someone won him for a dollar. Hmm. Someone number three ten. Um, Valdez closing for Baltimore. Tanner Scott. Not quite like Romano, but kind of. He was in some higher leverage situations at time, which he's got the gas. He, he kind of fits the lefty stuff. Um, Valdez, very soft thrower, change-ups. First save was a, uh, not bad. Second save was a roller coaster ride, and the Red Sox helped him out a ton. So I see Scott still heavily involved in the situation. 
as things go on. Because Valdez, he's going to have to be perfect to get these saves, and I don't see that happening all the time. So when I saw some of these bids, like I was cool bidding like 30 bucks for him or something, but 310 was not happening for me. Uh, what's your thoughts on Cesar Valdez? Yeah, I um, I feel pretty similar to you. Um, you know, I also, when where he was available, which wasn't a ton of, of leagues um, that I was in, you know, yeah, I was in the $30 range. And again, you know, you go into that, you put the bids there in case they fall to you because a couple times a season they will. But you kind of know going in that you're not going to get the guys. I mean, Valdez, like he was pretty good last year from a skills perspective. Um, 13.1% swinging strike rate, 17% K minus walk rate. You know, it didn't necessarily show up in the K uh, to nine. The walk rate was down, but he also benefited from the a Babbitt considerably of 184. So he's fine. I mean, again, I haven't seen anything definitive out of the Orioles about how they're going to approach that bullpen. I saw some discussion of the fact that because Scott threw more pitches, you know, the previous previous day, that that's one of the reasons why he didn't have the shot there. So, you know, again, again, one of the things I think is a good example would be if you go into this bidding process, right. And you do, you know, whatever for Merriweather and you have Valdez there, you're just hoping that maybe, you know, if somebody gets Merriweather, then, then maybe Valdez is there. And I think Mm -hmm. again, the lower bids allows you to make mistakes and to be wrong and to move on and, and eventually find that guy who may become the closure, the closure that you need. So yeah, it's, um, uh, you know, I think it's, it's fine, but again, you know, a few hundred dollars, I, I, I would not do, I would not do that. But again, I'm, you're probably not going to find me with a, a top notch closer like that. I much more prefer like the bet, the bids where you're going $4 for JB Wendelkin or yeah. $6 for Ginkle or, you know, whatever it is, just kind of knowing that those guys are maybe more likely to fall through and, if it's a smaller percentage chance that they have it saves, there's still some percentage chance that they might be able to, to find themselves in that role. And, and there's something to be said about that. We've talked about it in the way pitchers are going to be used this year, especially early in the season when they're not stretched out, go get those cheap relievers that, you know, could maybe look into a win or you never know, get a save the way things like Alec Mills got a save today. So you never know, like I give one save this week for $2 and pick up a win and get your ratios, get your seven strikeouts or something. That's a pretty good starter for me. Like that's that. So there, I think it's a big angle that needs to be utilized this year. And another reason, like you said, I wasn't going to pay a ton for these guys. Um, I know in DCs and stuff, when we previewed relievers, Valdez was a guy we said to pick up late. Um, we a lot of those platoon situations. So I've got Valdez and a few that I've inserted them in in spots. But that's the luxury of the the DCs and whatnot. But yeah, I wasn't going to be breaking the bank for him. I'd rather have Merriweather than Valdez, but. Um, I'm still kind of like, because yeah, I'm a big Tanner Scott fan, though. So maybe I'm, I'm biased. Okay. I'm not sure, but I, I'm a lot, I like him quite a bit. Yeah. All right. You know, you're a big Tanner Scott guy. <laughs> Hunter the, Harvey, move on over. Yep. Yep. We, it was cool while it lasted. You can't stay healthy. You're gone. Yeah. Um, the third man you mentioned, your mom. I need to go look at the, the book Baseball Pods gave me, but I have not opened it. Your mean Mercedes. 311 leagues, which kind of surprised me because that means he's either available or people just didn't want to bid on him, which I'm kind of shocked about. $445 max, $1 men. The kid could hit in the minors. He's, wasn't, he's not really a kid. He's 28 years old. So he's a late bloomer, I guess. Hitting the minors, getting his first chance up here. Um, he five for five in his uh, season debut. 
He hit well all weekend. Like you said, he's in the lineup. I heard uh, some beat reporters saying with the uh, Eloy injury, they need an outfielder situation. But if Vaughn can't do it, they can put someone else out there and use um, Mercedes at DH. It's going to be a weird revolving door. There's a chance it could be Vaughn and Mercedes in the lineup at the same time coming up, which could be interesting. So I was afraid to do it. A, because he's util only. And if he's just DHing this often, it's going to be tough to get, you know, something else. But, you know, he hasn't really been much past double A. So I'm sitting there going, is this really for reals? So I was too hesitant to go crazy. What about you? Yeah, I, I was I was hesitant um, as well. I think one of the things you mentioned is he is util only. So there's a little less utility there. He may He's the backup catcher. So he will gain catcher eligibility soon enough. But again, remember, you know, you, I think it's 10 games in NFBC where he'll get eligibility this year. I believe he has one under his belt so far. So you're looking at him. Um, you're probably looking, you know, like a month plus out um, before that actually happens. But that could, that could be, that could be huge value. I mean, if you look at even his projection, the projections like him a decent amount, right? He's got, um, you know, his projection, if you, if you, if you extrapolate it out to 600 plate appearances is over 20 home runs to mid, mid to middle two fifties batting average, you know, and then 60 to 70 runs in RBI and that that'll play at catcher. Right. Um, the question is when will he gain that eligibility for you? Will the playing time be as consistent? But again, it's all a matter of cost, right? If it costs you 20, 40 bucks or whatever it is to get him, then, you know, that's fine. Um, you know, but, but one of these larger bids, I think there's, again, a lot of questions. And again, this is like going to be a consistent theme and yep. it's, pro- it's, it's a weakness of my approach, I think, at sometimes, you know, when you get it wrong, but is really being kind of a little bit conservative and, and not having those super high expectations about for guys. And then if it happens, it happens. But what we're really trying to do is kind of grind through weeks and take advantage of, of more games and things of that nature. So, but again, you know, Mercedes, because of the potential for catcher eligibility down the road, certainly has a lot of value if you need that um, on your team right now. Um, you know, so who knows? And again, there's, they're, they're having injuries left and right for the White Sox. So maybe he'll get more run than we were even anticipating a couple of days ago. That's what it's looking like. It looks like he might actually get the run, which kind of makes me think, hmm. But I didn't want to hold that util on the bench. Like you said, it could be a weakness of mine as well. Uh, if he was catcher right out the gate, I probably would have been a little more aggressive. I really would have because um, I didn't draft catchers that aggressively to begin with in, in certain leagues. And in those leagues, I would have been pretty pretty up to get him. But um, I didn't want to sit on that. I, I don't really have room to sit on that in certain leagues with injuries and other situations. So it was tough. We'll see. But it does sound like he's going to get more playing time. So might regret that one. We'll, uh, I, I don't do a lot of high bidding either. When I do, I can see it being for like a Jared Klinik, um, a Bobby Witt Jr., guys like that where they're going to let them play and play, like they're going to go. Or certain guys that got dropped because they were hurt, but they're coming back. Uh, situations like that where I feel a lot more confident about it, those are the guys I go for, not for these young guys that I really have – I honestly haven't even heard of that much until you know three days ago. I can't really stomach that that bid. Another guy that I heard a little bit talked about this offseason but has just burst on the scene to start the season, and that's Kyle Isbell of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, he went to 311 leagues as well, as high as 205, as low as $1. He's been really, really good. He's got a stolen base. Um, he's hitting 385 to start the year. 
He's, he's, he's doing it. He's not a big power guy, a little bit of speed in the minors. He hasn't been past high A. He spent last season at the alt site. So that's why he really didn't check any like the radar for me at all. He really hasn't had any minor league experience, which to me is funny because he's barely has more experience than Bobby Witt Jr., but everyone says Bobby Witt's not ready. So I don't know. But um, Isbell, I put I put some bids on, didn't get him anywhere. But uh, what's your thoughts on him? Because he's playing every day right now, which that that's a big thing. And their offense is, is sneaky good. Yeah, I mean, I think Isbell, I had bids on him. They, they weren't that high. Um, they maybe should have been higher because I have Brantley and Loriano on a few teams and dodged, dodged some big bullets there, I think. But, um, you know, still need a little bit of outfield help in, in some spots. But, you know, the thing that I like about him is, is the batting average. You know, that's been kind of a staple of what he's been able to do. And then the power-speed combo. Um, and when you look at his projections, if you extrapolate them out, and again, you know, you – we, we don't like to extrapolate things out, but when it comes to projections, I think it's reasonable to do that. And, you know, over the course of 600 plate appearances, you're looking at a 15-15 guy, if not a little bit more. Um, and that'll certainly play, especially if they give him consistent run, which they appear to be doing. I do think that he, um, you know, my, at least my understanding prefab was that he would be, he would not be going up against lefties um, when they face lefties. So he, he will be platoon. So you have to take that into consideration, but strong side is, is a lot better than weak side. So he's a guy again, you know, who, who could be a difference maker because of that speed, because of the, the, the speed power and a, maybe a little bit of batting average as well. Yeah. The speed's what got my attention when I saw him stealing bags over the week. I was like, Hmm, I'm willing to take a chance on that. Get some speeds early, speed early, hopefully for a, a reasonable price. That did not happen. But his teammate, Michael A. Taylor, um, we've seen him have flashes when he's at the Nationals, but he's never an everyday player. So I kind of didn't even want much to do with him. I thought he'd be like a fourth outfielder. It also helps Hunter Dozier out with the you know, hand contusion right now. But uh, he's playing every day with Isbell. He got picked up in 284 leagues. As high as this is, as, I, I'm not trying to be mean, but $337 for Michael A. Taylor is beyond insane to me. Uh, yeah. Went for as low as $1. Um, he's hitting great this year, 462. That's not going to last. He's got two home runs. He, he's always shown he's got power when he, when he gets the chance. Speed could be there as well. If he plays every day, he's interesting. I just didn't see him playing every day. He's, he's only striking out 7.7% of the time early on, too. Extremely small sample, but that uh, he's usually a, almost a 30% K guy. So there's definitely some regression coming his way, but if he plays every day, you might get some power and speed out of it. Just don't expect the average. I was just shocked for how much he went for, like beyond, like more shocked on him than I think Merriweather and company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the thing with Taylor and with Isbell, which I think is 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 the speed factor for both of them. I mean, we've seen Taylor in previous years. You know, the damage that he's been able to do um, has been fairly. You know, he he had 24 stolen bases back in 2018. Anytime that he's gotten more than 400 plate appearances the result has been decent knowing that he's going to have, you know, some issues with his batting average. But, you know, the thing is we're dealing with just the smallest of samples right now. Like Isbell, his BABIP is 625, mm-hmm. right? I mean, for Taylor, it's 400. So much more reasonable. Um, but, you know, over the long haul is when you see things like contact rates and chase rates and things like that really start to work on a player's production. And we just haven't had the opportunity to see that happen yet. But like guys like Taylor and Isbell, I think, you know, are the ones that you want to be taking a shot at 
because they do, they do, they, they provide a scarce, you know, um, a square, a scarce commodity, right. Um, a scarce category in the speed and they're not necessarily going to hurt you, um, in power. I mean, Taylor and batting average probably remains to be seen with Isbell, but those are the guys that I think are, are, are nice, nice to take a little shot on and, and, you know, ride them while they're hot and, and see if it continues, you know, leverage those matchups and don't be afraid to move on once things start to go south. Um, Question for you. If you had to pick one of the two you were going to bid on this past week, would you rather have Taylor or Isbell? Because I know my answer, but I'm curious yours. Um, I would probably go with – well, I, I guess I should say Isbell. I had bids for Isbell. I did not have bids for Taylor um, in. So I would say Isbell. Um, Isbell, if I'm pronouncing yeah. that correctly. I think I lean Taylor just because Isbell hasn't been past high A and Taylor's getting paid. So I feel like if something's going to happen, one stays over the other. Could be totally wrong. But if I have to play the game in my head, I think I give Taylor the chance because that's why they signed him to be at least the fourth outfielder or rotating in the third spot maybe. Where Isbell, I think, just kind of blew everybody away in spring. But, hey, he could stay. That's what's so weird about it. It's such small samples. You have to take the gamble. But it's a, it's an interesting proposition for sure. Let's go back to the bullpen. A, a blast from the past. Just, just, I honestly couldn't have told you Chris Davinsky was on the Arizona Diamondbacks until this weekend. And I'm like, oh, Mr. Davinsky, I remember those days back. Let's look it up. Was it? Oh, yes. In what, 2016, 2017? Was that it when he was dominant with the Strohs? Yeah. yeah, yeah. He had both those years. He had a 2180 ERA and a 2680 ERA. 2016, 2017. Everyone thought he was the next best thing. He was. You know, he was starting some games, then he was coming out of the bullpen. He was doing all kinds of goofy. He was almost one of the, the original kind of opener longman type guys. Like he was getting wins, picking up saves. He was he was the Yarborough before Yarborough, hater before hater type guy. Hater took it to another level, of course. But then he kind of just fizzled off, got some injuries, uh, didn't pan out. Now he's with the Arizona Diamondbacks, and they have some injuries of their own to worry about. Soria's kind of banged up. There's some other issues. Davinsky got the save the other day. So everyone went running to the wire to get some Chris Davinsky, 234 leagues, 199 max, $1 men. Um, I did not get any Davinsky. I didn't, I put in very, very low bids on Davinsky. So I didn't expect to get in Davinsky. Uh, he has zero strikeouts in his one innings pitch that he got his save. So keep that in mind. Whole one inning. So remember all that stuff. But uh, any thoughts on this? We've talked about Valdez. We've talked about Merriweather. Now we got Davinsky in the mix. Yeah, so with Davinsky, uh, I put in bids for him in pretty much all of my leagues um, after he got the save, and I, and I also put bids in for Ginkle. I think I got one one share of Ginkle um, came Ginkle. through for like six bucks or something like that. You know what I did on Sunday afternoon is when I or for me it's afternoon because West Coast West Coast Best Coast. That's right. Um, uh, you know, I just I just kind of took a look at velocity, you know, for both of them. Uh, Davinsky's around 92-ish. Ginkle's around 94, 95. He's actually plus below over last year. Davinsky's down below-wise. Um, and I just thought, you know, Davinsky's probably going to go for more. And he's got the save already. So maybe, maybe put him up there, but Ginkle like right below him with maybe a little bit less and maybe it'll be more likely, but people are sharp. I mean, people were in on both Davinsky and Ginkle. Uh, for me, I'd rather probably have Ginkle. 
Uh, it sounds like from afterwards that it's a committee situation. Soria was injured as well, yeah. and he was thrown against the heart of the lineup um, when he did come in. So it wasn't that they had moved away from when the closer. It's just the way that bullpens are 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 um, evolving, yep. you know. And so uh, with Ginkle, I think it was clear they brought him in in a higher leverage spot right there in the end of that to end that eighth. So I liked him a little bit more, and because the velo and the stuff was just a little bit better. I think, you know, and again, we're dealing with like 15 pitch pitch samples here, but like, you know, I think Davinsky had like one swinging strike on his 15 pitches and Ginkle had two or three on his 10, you know, and with the velo and stuff like that, you just make a edge, try to incorporate that into your process and, and make a, make a guess based on that. So we'll see what ends up happening. I imagine we'll see a, a smattering of saves to a variety of different folks in that bullpen, but you never know what, what, what happens. Yeah, I love the Ginkle shout out there because he's another guy like Valdez. I had in a lot of DCs, and I was I was willing to put money on him for a couple bucks over Davinsky because I, I saw the same similar things you said. I didn't go as deep as you did, but velocity is there. I know he's got the strikeout stuff I like, but I was also aware when Soria came in it was the heart of the order. Like he's, he's banged up. They're saying it's not serious, but we'll see. He's an older guy. Who knows what they're going to do? If Ginkle's good, I think they want Ginkle to close. Then again, they would probably want Soria to close so they can trade him then go to Ginkle or something. So you never know what the D-backs are going to do. I think it's a revolving door, as you said. And it's what we've tried to say for these first few guys, and maybe some more we're going to talk about a little later, is the way bullpens are used now, it's going to be all over the There's a lot of teams I think are going to be more like the Rays than like a standard team anymore. That's just the way it's going to go. Although the Rays are just going with Cast with uh, Which is crazy. Castillo, Castillo now, right? Yeah, which is insane. Like, fit, we'll fit, like people probably saw it on Twitter. I think it was Friday. Thursday or Friday, when Fairbanks came in in the sixth inning to clean up a mess, that just made me want to break something. Because I, I don't care if he doesn't close. I get that. But, you know, eighth inning, maybe the seventh when your team needs him. Because then they blew it in the seventh when he would have been a perfect option to come out of the bullpen. But, um, yeah, that's a whole other diatribe situation. But uh, the Rays, baby. Rays going to raise. Um, Tanner Hoke, he looked really good in his start over the weekend against Baltimore. So there's a lot of swing and miss in that lineup. He got picked up in 190 leagues, as high as 301, as low as one. I put in like 20 or 30 bucks for him. I think he's very good. I think he's young. There's going to be hiccups involved. But he's got a spot in that rotation until everybody comes back. Erod was supposed to throw a bullpen session on Tuesday. If everything goes well, like the previous bullpen did, he's supposed to pitch this weekend against Baltimore. So that could kind of move things around as well. So keep that in mind. But looks like Tanner's got a spot in the rotation. I did not win any bids on Tanner, but uh, I think he's a, he's a decent arm that could be fun if he's still available in smaller leagues. Definitely streamable, I think. Yeah. Um, with Hauk, I, I wasn't really in like a very minimal $1 bid, I think. To your point just a second ago, I don't think I don't think he's got a spot in the rotation right now. Um, with Erod scheduled to pitch this week, again, we don't know what will end up happening, but if he doesn't have a spot in the rotation – you know, again, he looked good from a from a skills perspective. A lot of swinging strikes, um, so fine. But again, you know, not really, uh, not really embedded there. And so the, the question is, like, okay, let's say you put down a twenty thirty dollar bid on him. And again, I'm like, you're probably everybody's probably listening, and just like, okay, do you ever bid anything? <laughs> do you what 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 are you doing? Like, what's your approach? But 
I mean, like, so how, you know, you're probably not starting him this week, right? Because he's not in the rotation. And if we find out he's in the rotation, and again, this is for weekly pitching, pitching leagues, but if we find out he's in the rotation, you find out on Wednesday, right? Probably when Erod can't go. Yep. And so then you, you don't have him in your lineup then because he's not pitching. And then you got to go through the exact same thing next week with Erod. Like, is Erod healthy or is he not healthy? And again, it could be that Erod goes on the, the IL um, or stays on there, you know, and, and then you've got an opportunity. But there's just so many hoops you got to jump through to get to that spot that I don't want to throw down a decent chunk of a bid just to have a guy on my bench. And then if he's not in your roster this week, is he your drop next week, you know? So just thinking, thinking out like a few steps ahead in terms of what happens. But again, at some a certain point in time, you got to bid for some guys. So, um, you know, and um, and I'm and people are are crapping on me in the comments because I dropped Jose De Leon. I think this, uh, this weekend, <laughs> I dropped him because he had like twelve walks in sixteen spring training innings or something, or like, or he gave up fourteen runs in sixteen spring training innings. So I probably. Dropped him a little too soon. Um, it happens. I picked yeah, him up in a couple other leagues. So, but your, your boy Hoffman looked good. He did, and I didn't start him. I started Garrett Richards instead. So oh, no. there you go. Oh no. Well, I mean Hoffman is the same. It's the same deal, oh, I right? Get it. Like, I get it. I, I was nervous for Hoffman. I, I know. The stuff's great. The stuff's great. I, I oh. even when he was in in DFS when he was with the Rockies when he's on the road, I'd play him for cheap. But it's still a roller coaster ride. It is. And you're like, are they, is he going to go throw five innings? His last mm-hmm. two or three starts in spring training were God awful. Right. And so you're like, uh, why don't I see what happens? And then you see what happens with DeLeon and, and Hoffman. And you're like, Oh, I would have loved to have him in my lineup next week is when I'm going to do it. And that's when he gets blown up. <laughs> the shit hits, hits the fan. Yes. So yeah, we know how that one goes and it'll inevitably yeah. happen next week, but. At least I'll feel better about putting them in my lineup at that point in time. Yeah, you're validated. Um, you. I'm gonna I'm gonna put these two together. They went in a lot of leagues. They went for higher bids than I expected. But Carlos Rodon, Logan Allen, both supposed to be two start starters this week, so they were uh, popular double taps. Uh, at least the higher acquired double taps this week. Uh, Logan Allen, he threw an okay game um, on Monday during the day. Nothing too crazy. Carlos Rodon was looking good early. He's in some trouble as we speak with the bases loaded in the fourth. Uh, not anymore. Not anymore. Did someone clear the bases? What's that? <laughs> did he clear the bases or did someone else no, clear No, no, no. Four innings, two hits, three walks, oh, got eight out of Ks, it. baby. He got out of it. That oh, he got out of it. Yeah, that was yeah, – I, I wasn't. I didn't realize he had loaded the bases. I saw – there was only one second yeah, I was, when I was I was watching week. it, but I was like – because he had seven Ks, bases oh, loaded. So, must have, so he got out of it. Eight Ks, three, four, 81 pitches. I'm assuming – That'll end his night because I don't think they'll let him go much Do deeper. not say that, Bubba. Do, why like, would you I need put that I need out him, there? I need him to go too. I'm why just saying they're going to beat him. Okay, here you Carlos Rodon, ladies and gentlemen, 17 swinging strikes on 81 pitches so far. He was filthy, which he's his always been was up 2.3 miles per hour so far this year. Those tell, are the things tell. you pay attention to in spring training. If you can't tell, Toby might have some shares of Carlos. Uh, just, just three, just three <laughs> on my big teams. Um, I mean, and obviously, it's like it's still, you know, he could go out later and he could just get totally destroyed against KC, you know, and that those hot bats they're swinging over there in KC. But I mean, just to give folks a sense, just because I'm looking at it right now, like these are the types of things that I I'm looking at 
So I'm like, okay, he's got 17 swinging strikes on 81 pitches. That's really good. The velocity is up as well. You could take a look at, you know, maybe a pitch mix change. I mean, for him, it's a little challenging. He's only four seam and he's uh, and slider and he's thrown five changeups, I think. So, you know, just like looking at those types of things, you mentioned uh, Logan Allen. I put in some bids for him. I think I might've gotten him in one spot, but I, I was putting in bids for Rodon and Allen last week. Um, yeah, so mostly. I was taking um, with my late 30th round picks or whatever on those two guys. That's what exactly. I was doing. Yeah. And, and, you know, people are super sharp. So they were going in those drafts, like you mentioned. Allen. So, so then I take a look at Allen, right? Then you got seven whiffs on 72 pitches, you know, 24 CSW. He was going up against the Royals. Again, the Royals aren't a great offense, but they're not necessarily, at least I don't think so. I'd have to go back and look, but. I don't think they're a high strikeout offense. You know, they're not a great offensive team, but they, yeah, they don't they strike out. They won't be high strikeouts with the additions like Carlos Santana and stuff. They won't be striking out much at all compared to some other teams. Yeah, totally. So, you know, you look at him like, um, you know, Velo's down compared to last year. He was thrown in the bullpen, though, so something to consider. But he's only he's at 92.7, you know. So I look at that and I'm kind of like, eh, you know. It's fine. Like you, you, you can, I would hold on to him and see what he continues to do. But, you know, really looking at that like very underlying skill level on each, every day at the end of the day, you go through stat casting, you look for those skills um, and just see if guys that pop out, you know, um, like Madison Bumgarner last week, he got destroyed by the Padres, right? I loved what I saw from Madison Bumgarner and looking at the underlying. He skill, almost got right? tossed. What's that? He almost got tossed. He was oh, arguing yeah, balls and strikes because they were oh, squeezing. Was he? They, they were squeezing him hard. He was oh, like, "Oh, were they?" Yeah, he oh. was not rocking in people. He, he was up two point three miles per hour, I think, over last mm-hmm. year. He had seventeen swinging strikes on yeah. eighty-seven pitches or something like that, like or fourteen or seventeen, whatever it was. I was like, "It's like, ah, oh, you got my attention, Mad Bum." And you know what he's doing? He could, you know, where he pitches this week? I'm guessing that's oh, it was Coors, right? He pitches in course. So what's going to happen? Gonna go down. He's going to get destroyed. And then what's going to happen the next week? Toby's going to get a dollar. <laughs> People are going to drop Madison Bumgarner in, in 15 teamers. And then you just scoot, you just scooch on up. Uh, but no, I'm, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But I think that's kind of like, you know, those are the things that, that I'm kind of thinking about and, and looking at. And that, that's why I think the skills over time will play out. You know, the, the skills over time will win out. And so look for those guys where the performance doesn't match the skills. And that's for both hitting and pitching, right? It's never too early. Look at those barrel rates. Matt, Matt Williams. Matty Williams is putting out great content every day. He's putting out uh, max exit velo gainers mm-hmm. so far this year. I mean, there's some massive gains that some Big guys names. have made in max exit velo, right? Um, and then he's also putting, putting out the gainers, um, the velocity, uh, velocity. for velocity. Yeah. And those are the types of things you got where you, I think you want to be monitoring. And then Alex fast is putting out a daily CSW leaderboard. And, yep. um, uh, I don't, I don't want to forget still putting stuff out too. What's he's that? Putting, Ryan Bloomfield keeps putting stuff like little bloom boards out. I, he told me they were, he told me they were going. Yeah. He's, no, he's, he's, he's putting one out a day each day. Just different yeah, little things. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was somebody, oh gosh, I wanna, I don't wanna get it wrong, but um 
His name's like auto something. Auto under auto underscore something. I, think. I know who you're talking about. I started auto underscore Perot or something like that. I can't remember, yeah. but he was putting out a swinging strike leaderboards. So just follow those people. Track that stuff. Look at those daily Statcast metrics. You know that's how you get that that edge. I think you know. Yeah, let them do all the work for you. It makes life a lot easier. There Trust me, because um, yeah, because I, I can't do that. I'm trying to find his name, but I'll, I'll keep looking here in a little bit. Um, Couple closers or potential closers. I just kind of want to group these together real quick and get your thoughts. Emmanuel Classe, he went uh, in a lot of leagues because Karinchek's been like we expected, working the high leverage innings. Whitgren looked really bad early on. Velocity's down for him, so that's slightly concerning. So Classe is an interesting one to keep an eye on. Yeah, Wade Davis, who got the save after um, after Holland couldn't finish. They tried to get him to go for like four or five outs. So I kind of green assault that. And then Davis came in and pitched, I think, the seventh or the eighth on Sunday. So that'll be a committee. Pretty sure on that one. And Hong uh, got the save today. Yeah, so that's going to go all over the place. Um, Mark Melanson has been getting some got a save chance or two in, in San Diego. And then you got Diekman coming in because Rosenthal's hurt. But there's still, like you mentioned, Wendelkin and Romo involved. Just real quick thoughts on those four situations because it's uh, like for me, yeah. I went and got some Wade Davis because he was like my fifth bid out of like all the closers. Class A, I didn't pay the way they paid, but his he's throwing 100 consistently, which we knew he would do. Uh, Melanson, yeah, I, I have too much invested in Pagan already, which really stinks. But uh, And I have some Deepman on there. Uh, what about you? Yeah, I mean, my general thought is, you know, with Kansas City, they've actually been pretty explicit, I think, from – Middle of spring training, Jeff Zimmerman in mining the news. And again, you know, I'll say explicit, but other guys have said the same thing and not not followed up. But like Jeff Zimmerman had a mining the news where uh, where Matheny said that they preferred to go by committee and just use guys in high leverage spots and you and and use those guys. And that's what we've seen. Right. We've got Han with a save. We've got Davis with a save. We got Davis working the seventh and the eighth Holland working there. Everybody wants Stamont and his one point four whip you know, and like walking tons of guys to get save opportunities. You got Barlow, who's probably the best out of all of them, you know, so there's just a lot of, a lot of mouths to feed there. So, um, you know, again, I think they're just going to, you probably have one guy with 10, one guy with five, one guy with seven, you know, whatever. So, and again, that, that means that they could have value. And so I, I had bids on Wade Davis and that was partially because I do think he's going to have some value even without, um, even without the saves, you know, or without consistent saves because, you know, his velo's up. We've seen how, that he can be successful in the past. So just monitoring that and monitoring some of the skills on that piece, you know, I think is important. In San Diego, you know, um, you know, it, it looks like Melanson's got the job. You know, I don't want him to because I'm highly invested in Pagan. And that's two win Pagan uh, for you. Yes. Um, so I'll take those two wins. I still think that Pagan is going to be a high leverage guy as is Pomerantz. And so I'm holding on to him again. I think with these guys, you got to play the long run. Like everybody's assuming that Emmanuel Classe is the closer. And it could be, it could be that Francona has said that that's the case. Although Greg Jewett doesn't have him as the closer anointed closer yet. Right. Yep. And then maybe it could be Karinchak, but Karinchak is pitching today, you know, um, it, when they're down three, three, zero, which is and he weird. Pitched in the seventh <laughs> the other day. Right. Yep. Um, and then we assume that Wickren doesn't have the gig because he pitched in the seventh the other day, right? And yep. it, and it's probably not the case, but I didn't drop my Wickren shares this week, no, right? Not a chance. I want another week to see and that's how a this good plays point. out. That's a good point right there. It's like, don't give up right don't away. Don't like, give up. Don't like I, give I, up. A, right? a, lot of the a lot of the teams I 
grab Davis on are teams I have Holland on. I have them both on my roster right now. So trying to figure out who to play is a fun one if you don't play both. But um, it's just like I want to kind of hold on to them until a decision's made if one's made at all type thing. Exactly. So what happens if this week we find out that it is a committee mm-hmm. and Classe and Wickren are splitting it, right? Or Classe and Karinchak are splitting it or whatever the situation is, right? Even Phil Maton. I mean, my boy Phil Maton, who I love, right? Who got my boy Whitgren out of the jam the other day. Yep. Like, I, thought you, I thought of you immediately when I saw that, by the way. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, coming up big. But, like, the thing is, you know, we saw something in these guys when we drafted them. Yep. And if the role isn't clear yet, then stick with them. Be patient, right? And that's when I think people, like, there's this tension between I want to be aggressive in the early weeks because then I get 26 weeks out of a guy, right? There's a tension between that and these guys went undrafted for a reason, right? And so unless there's been a significant change, then why move on from the guys that you drafted? The guy that you thought was the closer when nobody said who's going to be the closer. True. I mean, Klasse was warming up when, when it looked like Cleveland might you know, score four runs on Soto or three runs. We didn't even know. It could have been three runs, right? And then Klaus is not even coming in for a save opportunity. And so we don't know what's going on yet. So don't move on from the guys because what's going to happen, what's going to happen is if Wickren gets a save this week, right? Or if, um, let's say people dropped Greg Holland. If Holland gets a save this week, they're going to be the guys that are getting $100 and $200 bids on them next week in FAB for the guys who are chasing saves. So again, there's that tension. So the only guy that it was okay to move forward from was Garrett Richards. He's the only guy that it was okay to move away from. Or Trevor Rosenthal, who might be done for a long time. Are they saying Rosenthal's going to be gone for a while? I haven't heard it official, but like the fact that they haven't said anything makes me think it's not Garrett. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, I wish I had more Wendelkin, honestly. Um, I wish I had more Wendelkin. I maybe should have prioritized that a little bit. Um, But... Yeah, so there's that there's that tension, and I think you know when we move on too quickly from the guys who don't, and it's not even that we do, we don't even know they have the role. So like if it's very clear that somebody else has the role, like it looks like Mel- Melanson has the role, but Pagan's also a really good reliever, so I don't even mind having him in there. I have him in some starting lineups, right? He's got the Giants for three, and he's got Texas for three, so I'd love to have those two to three innings he pitches, right? They're probably better than whatever one start starter I was going to throw in there. Um, so I, I just think like, you know, we, there's this urgency of now and we got 25 more weeks of this, yep. of this grind. And the, the worst thing to do is to move on too quick and then see that guy going for 200 bucks the next. So you've already got him. Let's say I have like two or three of those types of guys on my bench in some leagues. And you want to know something? Maybe one of them will work out. Yep. And if they do, it'll be well worth it. But it's tough now because you got like, you know, the Nats and the COVID issues and trying to make sure you, you're not getting zeros for your hitters, you know? So um, a lot of things to balance. But again, I, I think people are oftentimes like, I need to be aggressive. It's early in the season. I need to get guys that are going to last me the whole season. You know, I, I'm sure people have done analysis on it. I'm sure it's in the process. Um, and Jeff Zimmerman has done analysis on it. But like, what percentage of those guys that are that are high fabbed early on in the season actually end up being like the game changers that folks want them to be? 
You I know? bet you. I bet you the robot has the answers to that. Yeah, the robot. The, Phil. Phil may also have the uh, yeah. the answer. So I didn't see a fab answer. tweet from him uh, this today, so I'm a little disappointed. Must be defective right now. We, um, we, we should have like uh, Phil should do like a Monday morning tweet every single weekend where he does like his fab analysis and then he gives fabbers a grade. You know where he's like. My he, algorithm uh, tells it, me that his the algorithm grade, the guy's probably, got an F. This his week. algorithm probably can't understand the the high seven hundred eight dollar bid on Julian Merriweather right now. No. So that's probably the problem. Is like I have no clue what's going on with these things. But uh, yeah, no, it's gonna be interesting. Like I was telling some people asking me questions today that you know some of these guys, especially the good players, like he took early on. If you can hang on, wait till like the end of April if you can. Like give these guys three weeks, four weeks to try to see if it's a just they're that bad right now. They're broken. I'm talking like hitters more so than pitchers, but or or is it just like a little cold spell to start the season? Let's let's see what they are before we get crazy. Because like you said, you draft these guys for a reason. What changed over the weekend that uh, that then, made you like go away from them? So it's tough. I get it. It sucks watching the guy go like over nine. Like I'm all in on Yohan Moncada. It was not a good weekend for Yohan Moncada. Am I giving up on Yohan Moncada? No. So it's just you gotta gotta wait it out. Hey, he's got a hit and a run today. Uh, he so. didn't have his last at bat. It made me very happy to see that, actually. I mean, so there's always hope. Hey, it could be worse. I feel really bad because I have a couple of shares in best ball formats, but I think Tatis is out for a little while. Just going to throw it out there. It, I know. That's they rough. Keep showing, they keep showing the replay, and I cringe more and more because they, they show different angles in slow motion, and it is his shoulder. It's his shoulder. Like It's, mm. it it's was, the same shoulder that he yeah, had in yeah, yeah. training. Like. And then, like, uh, there's a thread curling and guys that commented on my comment before we recorded, and some of these guys are saying there's a good chance that if it's as bad as that swing looked, it might need surgery to get that fixed. Like, it was nasty. So, we, I don't want it. Like, we don't we don't know though. So it's like we don't speculating. The game is better with with Tatis. I want Tatis to play. And you know what? We'll have the whole week to find out because he's in your roster at least till Friday. So. It, yeah, sucks on leagues all week, so it sucks. I hope it's not bad, but it didn't look good. Didn't look it's good brutal. He's yeah. yeah. So uh, last last little cluster I wanted to ask you about. And if there's any other names that stand out to you, go for it. But like Nate Lowe was a, was a heavy pickup everywhere. He had a monster series in Kansas City. Uh, he's playing every day, hitting fourth or fifth, which is outstanding. He's hitting with power. Hit. He's driving in a bunch of runs. He's doing what you want from him. You know, you mentioned Longo. India's getting picked up. Cedric Mullins is playing phenomenal. Justin Mason is doing cartwheels somewhere. Um, those are the big kind of bats that got picked up. Anything else that really stood out to you this week in Fab where you're just like, wow, I didn't expect that, or these guys were really good pickups? I don't know. No, I mean, those are the boring guys. I mean, Longoria was probably my most picked up. I have him in like a crap ton of DCs, like literally 75% of my DCs I think I have. Have Longo, and so I picked him up in a bunch of leagues. Um, you know, just just you know, he's playing every day. He started at third base, um, so he wasn't even DHing. You know, those are the types of guys you know who are just giving you consistent plate appearances every single day at a skill level that you're fairly comfortable with. That I think and, and aren't going to cost a lot. I got Miggy a bunch of places. I got Miggy mm -hmm. uncontested. A bunch he's, of he's got one. He's already got one start at first base. We just need a few yeah. more. <laughs> Miggy, give me the first base eligibility. Oh, that would be electric. First oh, base man. corner I mean, infield. Yeah, part Ooh. of me was like just dying inside because, um, 
you know, because you go through the off season, you got your guys. Like Mickey was one of my guys, right? Like he was one of my the players I had the most of. Longo was one of my guys. Uh, Yuli Gurriel was one of my guys. But the thing is, when you get into drafts, the big drafts, the the not draft draft champions drafts, right? Is it you have weaknesses, right? So you're like, oh, I can get Yuli right here, but it's either I I I draft my first third baseman in Brian Anderson, or I get Yuli, you know. And then if and I so don't get a third baseman, oh, God forbid what's coming up next. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You don't get Brian Anderson, man. Seager's already gone. I mean, man, you are in trouble. But so you face those types of decisions. And so you end up with 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 less than you maybe want to. You don't want full exposure. You've got your one or two guys that you got full exposure to. But um, yeah, so Mickey was one of those guys. And so I was really pleased that nobody really went after him. You know, um, that oppo home run in the snow, he hit on Bieber, you know, like that showed me a little something. Um, you know, the first bit playing him at first base showed me a little something. So, you know, again, just kind of trying to get the, get, get guys who are going to play on my team so that they can fill in for, you know, the guys who, who, who aren't unfortunately. Um, so those are the type of pricks that I, that I, that I like to do. I mean, Miguel Rojas was available in a lot of places. I did, was not able to get him. I mean, guys got him another guy playing every day, batting average, stolen bases, you know, just really solid all around that you that he's got four four games early this week. JP Crawford was available in a couple leagues, you know, four games to start this week. Even if he's batting ninth, right? I mean, he's gonna get at least 12 plate appearances, uh, probably more, you know, in those four games. So um yeah, so so those are the types of guys I think Cedric Mullins, you know, batting, batting leadoff. Hayes is on the DL now, so he's gonna have all the playing time in the world. I think he's got the speed, you know, I, I haven't looked at the underlying skills there cause it's, you know, I think a little bit, uh, a little bit, well, I have it right here. So his BABIP is 750, which yeah. he's likely to continue, but well, he went, he's not he chasing five outside five, the zone. He went five for five in one game. So that's going to help yeah. the BABIP out of There you go. He's, uh, but, but it's like, you know, he's got his, his contact rate is up, you know, and his yeah. O swing is really good. So he's being patient. You know, so he's doing everything that you want him to do again, it's Red Sox pitching staff. It's factoring in all those things. But again, I like he's at the top of the lineup and he's playing every day. That is a huge, huge boon. You know, um, that's what you want. That's where that's like the ideal scenario for him, regardless of what he's doing at the plate. So those are the types of guys I think that are really, um, you know, solid ads, at least in deeper leagues. You know, when I'm generally talking 15s here, uh, Mullins, I think, was more available in 12s because he was going yeah. in most 15s. Um, but those are the types of guys, you know, like Nate Lowe, like everybody's like free Nate Lowe. And then they're like, forget about Nate Lowe, you know, like, and Nate Lowe's Nate Lowen. Yep. I love it. I'm so happy to watch him rake. It's, it's, Against it's glorious. Lefties too. Yep. That's what made me happy when they put him there and kept them in the middle of that order. I was like, oh, it's happening. It's happening. Hot. Yes. Hot Nate well, Lowe. It, just, it just goes back to what I say about every goddamn prospect. You can't tell me they can't hit lefties if you don't let them hit lefties. Like it, they they all do it. Brandon Bell, the Giants, I, I'll never forget it for years. Oh, you got to sit him. You got to sit him. He's got one of the best OBPs versus lefties I've seen. And the first thing, I don't care about the average. The OBP gets on base. That's all I care about. It's the Giants. We don't score a million runs. But um, yeah, you got to let these kids do it. It may, it's a small sample, but it's great to see Lalo playing. It's fun. Um, hey, so by the way, Carlos Rodon's back in the fifth. 
Ooh, Tony LaRussa. Tony LaRussa, old Tony school. Tony LaRussa is trying school. to squeeze out that victory. He's trying to just oh, squeeze is, it out. Usually, this is usually where it goes wrong. I'm nervous. Yeah, it I'm, probably is going wrong. This, this is, is where it seems like, base, I think. It's like, don't – you got a guy that hasn't pitched much in like three years, it feels like, and you've got 81 pitches. Oh, uh, middle of the fifth. Did we, get a, did we get a double play ball? Did we get a double play ball, Bubba? Oh, God. A double play ball. People, I'm stay tuned for that. Stay tuned for that. I'm waiting. I'm waiting, right. people. This why is he's, podcast. Why, why he's, podcasting why he's, why he's, why at, he's its, at its finest. Why he's waiting. We're going to move on to some listener questions here. Oh. Um, we'll, but we'll keep recapping the fab every week. We'll talk about some other stuff. But if you have specific players, let us know. Um, if you have access to the NFPC link we're, we're talking about, go check it out. See what guys you didn't leave and look at. Just see why they were getting picked up. Just get ideas. It'll probably help you out as the season moves along here. Um, he's still on the mound, by the way. There's one out. Um, oh, I saw. I saw. Um, it's the I bottom saw middle five. of the. Yeah, because they're they're the visiting team, so he's on the mound, bottom five. He's got a strikeout and he has hit a batter. Oh, he has hit Ty France. So, but he got his. He, he he just hit Ty France, and then he got a fly. There's two outs in the fifth, but he got his. Uh, oh. He's got nine Ks now. He struck out Seager. So oh, got a come on, come on, but, uh, one sorry, more, Tony. Sorry. <laughs> Give him a shot. Give him a but, shot, Tony. All right, listener questions for the evening. We'll start out with Anthony. Oh, I always screw this up. Gialdi. Gialdi. I'm sorry, Anthony. I apologize. Um, he says, who is this week's Merriweather? Guy who is barely owned and will get a save or two. Okay, Jesse Hahn. Is that cheating? Um, well, he's already got one, so you're, you're already ahead of the game. Uh, I, I, I see a little delay here. Are they taking him out? I have no idea. Are they taking um, him out? Um, so what I think... Um, I don't know if he was dropped a bunch, but, um, I would say like Nick Whitgren or, um, I'm trying to think of closer situations. I can't. Yeah. I'm just going through like roster resources page and go through Greg Jewett's page as well. If you're looking for the yeah. next, next one, let's see what we got here. I don't see that happening. You got to go on teas with like, you could look the, at the Tigers if you really want to. Maybe Brian Garcia because Soto could blow up at any moment. But... Maybe it's going to be Romo. Yeah, that's kind of one that sounds good. Romo or even Ginkle because I don't think a lot of people picked up Ginkle. I think that's a that that Ginkle one you could definitely roll with there in Arizona. There's there's a lot of uh, leeway to be had there. Other than that, it's pretty. Most places, knock on wood, for now are pretty locked into some kind of already committee or maybe Yimmy Garcia taking over for Anthony Bass if he screws up again. Mm. but um yeah yeah, yeah i mean even bass he had a clean inning the last time yeah. out they That's seem I to tell people when he, to him when he, when he oh you know who it's time. gonna be you know who it's gonna be you know who it's gonna be kyle crick it's gonna be kyle oh, coming back from COVID. yeah because he's he, well he came back from oh no it's three out count um we sorry guys i shouldn't be doing this while i'm podcasting but i i'm so invested in carlos rondon right now um no, because Crick was out for, for paternity leave. And and so I, I think he's next up. I think he's next up. So I'm going to go with Kyle Crick. That's final answer. No, that, that's a great one. Uh, that's a guy I've actually picked up in a few leagues over the last two periods for like a buck or two because uh, there's been a lot of rumblings about that already. Rich Rod has looked okay, but definitely someone to keep an eye on. But uh, the next listener question we have for you guys this evening, Dan the Goat asks, Byron Buxton will be drafted in the first two rounds next year. 
I'd love to hear what you guys do think of his electric start. Um, I even heard Jeff Erickson call him Byron the Boomstick in reference to Nelson Cruz. I, was, I could I could hear about Nelly today. Oh yeah, I could hear Scott, I could hear Scott Jenstead's eyes hit the back of his head. So that was good. But yeah, Nelly had a monster day. Thank God we have got the DH back to let that happen. But um, I'm sorry, Dan the Goat. He's not going to go in the second round next year. Isn't but, he already uh, out? Isn't he like sick or something? Yeah, with quote unquote non-COVID and just strikeout. Strikeout. Yep. Line out to left. Uh, That's dang. five innings for Carlos Rodon, ladies and gentlemen. Ninety-five Ks, zero earned runs. Um, yeah, I mean Buxton looks really good. I mean it's all about health. It's all about health. If he is healthy, he is going to be fantastic. I mean the batting average won't be great. But he'll hit – if he plays 650 plate appearances, he's going to hit 30-plus home runs, and he's going to steal 15 bases, and he's yep. going to be absolutely glorious. And so I think that's that's, that's the thing, right? That's how he gets the second round, yeah. Yeah, that, and that's the thing. And, and again, yeah, and the, but, but the question will be, yeah, will, will people take him in the second round next year? Maybe. We'll see. Well, if people are willing to take Adalberto Montesi in the first round, they will take Byron Buxton in the second round if he stays healthy for a full season. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll be willing to say that, at least in like the main events or the leagues, unique. leagues with overalls. So is Buxton because we say 30-15. If Buxton really stays together, 30-20 is possible, 30-25. The dude could be the next 30-30 guy if he – well, he's getting too oh. big now. But, sure. I mean, he could. He could. I'm saying he could. like ceiling. Like, we don't have he much could. of that anymore. So. Yeah, I mean, he could be really good, but Belling, Bellinger's 30-15 guy, right? Yeah, Bellinger I mean, can't stay healthy. We'll probably hit for about the same average, if not yeah. better, than what what yeah. um, what yeah. uh, Lux does. But anyways, it's neither here nor there. He's probably going to hit thirty thirty now, just to rub it in my face. Just like Vlad Junior is going to crush it, like he's already doing. He already went deep today, I think. <clears throat> Who did? Yeah. Vlad. Vlad went g- deep yesterday. Yesterday, sorry, sorry. Yesterday, today he only had one hit in an RBI. I think. <laughs> All right, haters. How many how many people tweet you every day about what he does? Nobody tweets me every day. I mean, you're too nice. I like it's to think nice. because I like try to be nice. a nice person, and yes, nobody wants to nice. make me feel like crap. But if Vlad like, looks good so far, everybody. Yeah, but you're too you're too nice. Like we, uh, there's a group of us that attack Paul Spore every time Isaiah Kenner Falefa does anything good. But uh, Vlad does something, and no one bugs you because you're Toby. Um, Nathan ah. Coleman, he asks, there is a ton of buzz about Merriweather, Otani, etc., but what is the most underrated fantasy storyline from week one so far? I think you kind of hit on a few things when we started the podcast, things you're taking away. I guess if you had to pick one. Um, Takeaway storylines. Um, I think the storylines for me – you know, I don't I haven't seen definitive evidence at all on this, but I think you know exit velos are up. A lot of the stat cast metrics are up. Home runs are not yet up. Uh, uh, Jason Collette had a little uh, chart that he put together where we've got kind of um, lows in uh, home runs per uh, plate appearance. And again, it's still small samples, so I haven't seen anything. I'll look for. Uh, Rob Arthur, you know, always comes out. He's kind of, for me, the go-to in turn, figuring that out. But so far, it appears as though, you know, maybe the ball will not fly as much. But again, it's it's. I hate to say that because it's still so early in the season. But, um, you know, uh, so that'll be interesting. I think that that monitoring that stuff. But exit velos are up, yeah. you know, just well, across the board. So hitters are hitting the ball harder. 
and me, pitchers me, are throwing the ball harder. Let, let me let me go off of that for you because Bloomfield's board today, he put a chart since 2015 when Statcast started. Exit velos have increased every year, and it's at its highest right now. The barrel rate is almost a full percentage point higher right now, and the hard hit rate is four percent higher than it was last year. So, like you're saying, across all of baseball, all three of those categories are up. So, I think when if that stays up and the weather gets warm, whew. yeah, but we haven't seen the home runs quite yet. I don't a lot of cold think. weather. A lot of cold weather. It's cold same, weather, but even comparing I, against similar. Yeah, true. Similar. Very true. But but it could be colder than previous years, right? That's why but, we want to see a lot of baseballs. But yeah. two weeks in, Rob Arthur will have his article that says, like, yeah. definitively this is what's going to happen with these balls. Yeah, Rob Arthur will do good stuff. But all I know is, like, the first couple days of the season, I swore they were not using new baseballs because that ball, it seemed mm-hmm. like it was flying out in certain games where it shouldn't be flying out. And, like, when the Giants are hitting over three home runs a game, no, those are not real baseballs. <laughs> like, <laughs> it just doesn't happen. I'm, I'm a you narcissistic know Giants fan. What, what was interesting is I read the article that Rob Arthur did about the spring training balls. And one of the things that he said in, in, in one of the, um, he was having a conversation with somebody, I think it was Eno as well. And he was saying that um, somebody said that, well, within this launch angle, the balls are not going as far. And he was like, that, that's, that's kind of what they tried to do was, limit how far balls go within that. But I think what's happening is balls outside of that. So balls that are hit at a higher launch angle are carrying further. So I think you've seen that. And this is anecdotal. So I'm going to say that anecdotal, anecdotal, anecdotal. But you see those high fly balls that just keep on going, Mm -hmm. that keep on going. You know, there seems to be something within that. It's less, I think less drag or something we were talking about, right? So, just kind um, of I think something I can't along those lines. Exactly yeah. what it was. It's um, the seams are different. The seams I think are the bigger. Seams, They're bigger. The seams, it's like higher drag, but the yeah. core or something like that, like the the tightness of how tight the middles wound has changed. Yeah. So, there's something about that. I, I don't I don't understand it, but um, yeah, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. I think that'll be kind of the story when when things break out, you know, to kind of really give us a sense of how this season's going to go on that front. Yeah. That will be quite interesting. Um, it's funny. We kind of had similar thoughts on the top thing because mine was like the baseball situation. So it's uh, very interesting. Now, Ben Tid, you know, you, you, you got a few leagues with Ben. No, um, we're not in the same league. We got oh, put in different leagues, me and Ben. So Ben, oh, we can answer, answer your questions now. What are the chances Romo becomes the ace closer while Rosenthal is out? Um, someone in my main Got Merriweather and Valdez for a combined 550. So I'm hoping $6 Romo as my third choice would be much wiser investment. I think it's a wiser investment already just by price point alone. So I think I think you're winning that one, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think Romo is a really good shout. That whole A's bullpen behind Diekman. I mean, even Diekman for what he was going with was solid. I think I got him in one league. I don't think it was a 15 teamer. I think it might have been a 12 teamer where I got him for like 23, I want to say. So, but I think everybody behind that is golden. I mean, that A's opportunity, it should be a good team. Um, it's a great ballpark to pitch in. Wendelkin's good. Romo's decent. Uh, Trevino even. I stayed a little bit away from him because I think he threw like two plus innings um, in the sixth inning the other day. And so the fact that he was kind of being stretched out a little bit made me a little bit, uh, you know, hesitant to go hard hardcore on him. But yeah, that whole A's bullpen, I think, is a really good speculative venture. 
Yeah, especially because Diekman should be the main guy, but there's a lot of situations that he's the only lefty. Well, not the only, but he's the main lefty back there. So there's gonna be a lot of eighth innings where he goes out there to pitch, and you'll have Romo just walking in or Wendell or uh, you know, Wendell can just walking in there and being like, "Yep, I got I got to save this week." So that'll happen way more than I think people think compared to other teams we've kind of tried to evaluate. Like the Royals, you have Davis and Holland and Hahn. It's like they're all righties that. <laughs> they can do at least you can see like Deekman and these righties doing something or like Philadelphia you have Neris who's the main guy but you're gonna see Alvarado get his shots because of different situations like it wouldn't shock me stuff like that like the lefty righty combos I like a lot more than just all these right-handed guys so that that's if that's the kind of easiest way to say what my blurbiness is trying to say all right, Tommy Yoon asks what are your thoughts on Cedric Mullins and the Oost? well we talked about Cedric Mullins already and the O's starting pitcher's hot start. Can you rely on pitchers outside of means or only streamable like Zimmerman? I still only trust means. but And that, that, yeah. that's, a, that's a loose word. That's a loose word when it comes to Orioles pitching. Yeah, I, that he's, means is the only guy that I'm really into there. Um, you know, and even means, I didn't start I'm, – I'm not starting him this week in any of my big leagues. I mean, he's at, he's at the Yankees. You know, I watched the start. He looked great against the um, – the Red Sox, there was a few occasions where, you know, the com- the command was not great. And they had some pretty good swings against him. And I'm just a little hesitant to put that in, in Yankee Stadium with that lineup, heavily right-handed lineup against Means. So I don't have him in there even this week, but um, I was very pleased with what, what I saw from him. But yeah. outside of that, it's very difficult to trust any of them. I mean, obviously the bullpen pieces that we talked about, Dez and and Scott for, for saves maybe, or in saves holds. But outside of that, I mean, Richards, you know, the, the challenge with Richards, right. You, it, maybe I moved on too early, but I drafted him for that start against the Orioles. Uh, he went two innings. He got babbit a bit just based on like looking at the stat cast metrics. Like he had a couple hits that were like, you know, pretty low expected BAs that ended up falling for hits and even said that himself, but he had seven whiffs on over 70 pitches, I want to say. Um, and his velo's down. And so it was just kind of like, I'm not going to start him next week against the Orioles. And if I'm not going to start him next week against the Orioles, I'm certainly not going to start him the next week against whoever he's going up against, you know? And so at that point in time, especially since I like to be patient with the guys that I've drafted, unless there's reason to move on, I want to be dropping like a ton of guys right off the bat, you know? Um, depending on what I drafted them for, you know, there are guys that I drafted just for the first week of the season, but um, you know, that that's why I kind of move on from a guy. Cause I don't just want to hold on to a guy to hold on to him for a, a few weeks. You need to have some flexibility on that roster. Well, it goes back to always talking about having guys available to churn and burn with guys like Richards are good for that because even if you miss a good start here or there, how many good starts is he really going to have that it's worth? Like you knew you're going to lock him into where as these closers, we talked about like, hang on and try to like keep two of the, guys because you never know how like those are two different complete scenarios so if people go well you said to keep this guy no completely different things so like your, your streaming pitchers different than streaming closers you don't stream closers until they're the actual closer and then they lose the job type situation so uh, just keep that in mind that's why you could do that with the richards other guys maybe not so much we'll have to wait and see how that goes but i get where your head's at with that it makes it makes a lot of sense and i wouldn't be shocked if Two months from now, you're grabbing Richard for four dollars because he's got two starts coming up against something like it wouldn't. That, that's always on the table. So, but you didn't have to worry about the headache of do I start or don't I start? And he's just clogging up a roster spot. So, 
That's good. Sure. Um, Doug Fraley asks, pandemic last year shortened uh, season may have people forgetting how long a baseball season is. So I, am I wrong looking forward to who gets dropped just as much as what free agents were available? My hunch is there will be an unusually higher rate of overreacting this year. 100%. Like we talked about it. <laughs> There's totally. a ton of it. Yeah. It's great. It's a very great point, you know, and, and in any regular season, there's already a sense of urgency, right? There's already a panic that sets in. And so, um, but there's time, there's time. And the thing with the closer situation is last year it was 73 saves in, in an NFBC main event that got you 80th percentile. It will undoubtedly be lower than that this year because yep. of the way that saves are going, right? And so when you think about that, so let's say it's like, uh, for the sake of just ease of, of life, let's say it is, let's just say it stays at 73, right? Um, that boils down to less than three saves per week that you need on your team, you know, in a seven game week in order to get to that 80th percentile. Now, let's say you get zero saves your first week. You're now dividing that same number by 25. So now instead of needing like 2.7 saves per week, you know, or 2.6 saves per week, now you need 2.8 saves per week, you know, and then, or 2.7. Now let's say that you don't get any saves again, right? Now you're down to 24 weeks. That goes into 72, three times exactly. So at that point in time, then you need now need, you know, three saves per week for the rest of the year to get that. Right. And so you just do that. Let's say you don't have any saves for the first six weeks and you've got 20. So now you need 2.3 saves or 3.3 saves per week the rest of the time. So that's just to say there's time, you know, and if you have two solid closers that are in there that are going two to three at some point in the season, you're, you should accumulate more than three saves per week. So there's time to get it right, to get the closers. If you have a good reliever and maybe they only get one out of every three save of chances, leave yep. them in there. Just yep. kind of let them trickle, and then hopefully down the road you hit it. Yep. Yeah, I, I know I've mentioned his name a lot, but I grabbed Jose Alvarado before this, the, the first fab period. I got him for like 22 bucks or something. I'm like, I'm going to grab him because I could see him getting a say – the, say the Phillies get 55 saves this year, which they won't. I could see him getting 15 of those, which I'm happy with because he's going to get you wins, ratios, strikeouts. Like I've had him in, I locked him in this week. I, I didn't even think twice about not locking him in. I, I took other guys out and kept him in. I just think what he brings to the table, which we've talked about, I know I, it might sound like a broken record, but I want to keep drilling it through. A lot of these good relievers are going to be better than some of these streaming reliever options you're going to try, try to grab. So, don't look at the shiny new toy as much as the established guy that might be in the eighth inning more often. That's very, very good. I think that's going to be way more valuable long-term this season than these guys you're trying to hope you strike gold with. So um, that's why I went after him last week. It might fail come next podcast, but I like that strategy more than the other one. My two cents. All right. Aaron R with our last question of the evening. Who was a player that you weren't very interested in during draft season but are more interested in mm. now after a weekend of games? Mm. For me, it's Gavin Lux. That's a good one. I kind of agree with that. He's getting more PT than I that right there. Yeah, because I didn't think he was going to play this much, and he is. He's leading off at times. Like 
I'm already eating crow on that one, but I have a few other ones. Who who stands out to you? Uh, Vlad Jr. You know, I really just <laughs> wish I was all in, baby. No. Um, Lux is a really good one. You know, he's like the only Dodger that it seems like is playing every day. Yes. Like him and Corey Seager, they're just like, ah, you and Corey Seager are going to play every day. Everybody else is just going to take a breather like a couple times a week. AJ Pollock, man. That's going to be a brutal one. I have I have him in quite a few. Yeah, he looked locked into like at least like uh, you know, every three out of four he days or something. Did, and he wasn't even starting opening day. No. They're just like, ah, oh, we're not going to give you that. He's not starting today, so he's out of lineups. If if if, if you can, um, you know, I said my big FOMO for this whole draft season, but I felt this in during draft season, so I can't really complain. Was Corbin Burns? I mean, he looked yeah, he disgusting looked against the Twins. Granted, you know, I don't think the Twins are actually that good of an offense, at least in an NL ballpark, right, when you don't have an alley. But great against the Tigers, but then again, yeah, are, they, are, they, right? are they a major league They're team? also the Tigers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jose Arrena, I've always been a Arrena guy. Yeah. Did not have him in any of my leagues. I have him in like, you know, nine out of my 13 or 14 draft and holds, and I did not start him in one single game. <laughs> um, so that just tells you like how really on the on the Arrena bandwagon I am right there. But um, – no, uh, I think Lux is a really good show. Uh, Burns has looked fantastic. Yep. Yeah, I like the Burns call. Yeah. For me, I mean Mullins is a good shot is a good shout too, just because where he was going and the fact that he's now lead off like every single free. day and against the O's, like that's that's gold. That's fantasy gold. Um, so he's a guy that I wish I had more exposure to. Yuli, I have a lot of exposure well, to You have to not, have a lot. Not yeah. in all my big leagues, though. I have him like I think in like only two of my big leagues. And man, the thing that's really standing out to me is I think he already has five walks. Yeah. Like he he looks locked in, and also on top of it, he's got a new he's got new glasses. I don't Ooh, know if you've seen them. The little thing? No, I have not. They're hot. Uh, like, I can only imagine if it matches hair like at all. Big old they, glasses. They're like ski glasses, but nice. they're all see-through and they're yellow. Of and I'm just like, are. I'm like, oh my God, that's that's what has happened to Yuli. He's got it's, new it's, eyes. It's like Wild Thing Vaughn found glasses. It's perfect. Oh God. So Yuli, I'm like, oh, Yuli's going to destroy this year. He's going to absolutely destroy and I say this after four games because he's hitting whatever, 427. Same with Altuve seems yep. locked in, man. That whole Astros, Astros. offense. Yep. Woo, all those. That was, that was, that was, my, that was my, my go-to. Is I have a lot of Altuve because where he was going, but I passed on Bregman all the time, and I'm already hating that. Watch, Bregman, he's hitting bombs. I hate that too. Yeah, he's hitting bombs. He's like – I kept wanting to tweet, look, it, everyone says he only hits because the short portion left. No, he's hitting them in Oakland. Like, come on, people. And they weren't just barely getting over the fence. Like, he was hitting home runs. Um, and then the other one, which I drafted one share of. Oh, okay, I'm sorry. I have to interrupt this. Mike Yastrzemski was scratched before the game started because of his hand injury from being hit by a pitch. He uh, has pinch hit and went pitching. deep in the seventh. He just uh, pinch hit and went deep. So if people benched him, I feel really bad right now. Um, but the other guy, I got him in my last draft because I did kind of a – if it came down to FOMO between a couple of players, I took the FOMO guy. Like that was my my draft. Jordan Alvarez. I know his knees mm. can go out at any moment. I know they can go out at any moment. But my goodness, 
he looks absolutely amazing right now. Yeah, that's a so, good call. There's a lot of guys. There's a oh, yeah, lot of guys. Samples get hot. Like Nate Lowe's looking great. Joey Gallo, I wish I had more of. I started buying in towards the end. He looks he's locked in. He's walking a ton. Like, dude, if OBP leagues, I, I haven't not all. I don't have him in barf, but like Tout and a few others, he is locked in right now. Um but hey, it's been four games. Man. It's fun to have baseball back, isn't it? Bias too. Bias yes. hit a jack today. today. He stole two bases. Oh, when he stole two bases on one time on base, like with second, I, I was ready to start doing sprints. Uh, God, these are all guys that I have in a in a bunch in DCs, but I never got in my big leagues. You know, lots of bias. It just didn't fill the build, fit the build that well. And God, yeah. But we'll see. I was happy when uh, Zach Wheeler struck out ten guys because people said he can't strike people out. That made me very happy. Yeah, but the Braves struck out a ton this week. I'm one of those people, by the way. I know. I know, but you you weren't you weren't the one that would kept telling me no, I'm foolish. There were people that literally told me no, you're foolish. He can't do this. So we that, Wheeler's so- super interesting because you know even with what he was projected for in the projections, you know he's he was at nine. He's like he was like 90th overall in my rankings. And he was going like pick 92, I think, in ADP. Yeah. But I, I was never that interested in him, which may, may have been a flashy. mistake. I mean. It's like you get into a season, and then like immediately the first week, you're like, I love these ratio guys. Yep, that's love why I these love these ratio them. guys. Why do I go after K guys with upside yeah. all the time? Just yep. give it, give me the, give me the, uh, give me the, the, ratio. the ratios. Yeah. Oh, so Zach Granky, man. Oh, no, I, I can't, I can't stomach Zach him. All I can't stomach Zach. Ah, oh, Zach Granky. We'll see. We'll see. But, uh, oh, I'll leave it at this. Giolito looked really good. Oh, yeah. Gio, Gio. Everyone, everyone has to know how yeah. much that means to me. Like, I was sweating before that first start, going, "Okay, please, uh, God, no. after Castillo got bombed, all these guys get bombed. No, don't do it, don't do it." <laughs> and then he goes up against Trout, and he throws yeah. that change to him, righty on righty change. Filthy, filthy. But all right, we'll call it a day there. We'll call it a okay. day. Um, we'll be back with you guys next week, as always. We'll do more fab stuff. Maybe we'll mix in some other things. It's kind of a free flowing, like just talk baseball, some fantasy, and kind of get a lot of strategy. Like it kind of flowed with a lot of stuff. So kind of fun stuff there. We'll have more baseball to talk about. Hopefully, no more injuries. Just actually good games to talk about. Uh, check out Toby on Twitter at Batflip Crazy. I'm at BD Intric, the podcast, Bub and the Batflip, episode 78 in the books. Catch you guys later. That is going to wrap us up for episode 174 of the Batflip Crazy Podcast and edition number 78 of Bub and the Batflip. Hope you enjoyed that. A little uh, little trip down fab memory lane, I guess. Uh, we, we've all been here before, but every season is different. Every week is different. So hopefully you enjoyed this. I think this will be the general um, structure of the show uh, moving forward on a weekly basis, taking a look at some fab guys, guys that we're interested in, some news and notes, answering listener questions. Uh, but if you have any suggestions, uh, please, please do let us know. Um, but as always, really appreciate all of you taking the time to listen um, and support the podcast. Uh, best of luck uh, with this week in fantasy baseball. Take care and be kind to one another.